Jordan. Oh, a spectacular move by Michael Jordan. Drives one out to deep left field. This one's got a chance to get out of here. Gone! Three-run Jimmy Jack first. Big league home run for Mike Trout. Five in the second half. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed the second greatest score performance in NBA history. Yahtzee. <laughs> That's how I want to start this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for downloading and or streaming the newest episode of Infinity Sports. I'm your host, Wayne G. Joined with me is the artist formerly known as Jesse B. Just going by Jesse now. What's going on, Jesse? What's up, what's up, everybody? Yeah, dropping that B. This is just Jesse for you now. Sully? Hey, what's going on, guys? It's a great week as always. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing well. We definitely appreciate you guys giving us a listen. Make sure to find us on Instagram. We are at Infinity Sports Podcast. On Facebook, at Infinity Sports Podcast. And on Twitter, at Sports Infinity 5, which is a long story, Jesse. Oh my goodness, we tried about 30 different handles just trying to get the perfect one, but all you fuckers who aren't even on Twitter took it. So here we are with Sports Infinity 5, a play on our actual segment that we do at the end of the show that you will actually hear our wonderful idea at the end of this episode. Yeah, man, apparently a bunch of guys who aren't even using it have our Twitter handle, but, you, you know, it is what it is. We'll make it work. You know, we always do. We power through. That's what we do, fellas. I wouldn't want to use my platform to influence people to do anything bad, but there's a guy named Ken Laduca on Twitter. His handle is at Infinity Sports. Apparently, he started this handle like 10 years ago and hasn't used it since. I reached out to him on Instagram, Ken Laduca. You can find him, folks. He lists his phone number and his email address on there. Make sure you hit him up and say, hey, why the heck are you hoarding that handle? Give it to Infinity Sports. Give it to them boys. Oh, listing the, the, the phone number and the email is going to be a big problem, Ken. That's going to be a big problem. Well, it serves him right because I've reached out and tried to play nice, and now we got to play dirty. Now, you can listen to this show on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere that there is podcasts, and you can listen to us live on rtfsportsnetwork.com. That is the RTF Sports Network. We are on there at 11 a.m. Thursdays, right before lunch. Perfect time to tune in and listen to what we got to say. Absolutely. Every week we're giving you a little bit of a change. Our time slot has changed to a better time slot, and we hope you all follow us there and listen to us right on the RTF Sports Network. You know, we got the new time slot, the new day, but we love it. We're excited. You know, it's in the it's in the heart of the day. All the folks, you know, like you said, sitting down, getting ready for lunch on their lunch break. Boom, turn on RTF Sports Network, listen to Infinity Sports, the best podcast around, and have a great lunch. That's how you have a good day right there, baby. Well, it's a big show today. We've actually got an interview with RTF Sports blogger Brandon Combs making his second appearance on the show. He's going to talk NFC North with us. We've got our Infinity Five, which is going to have you guys begging for us to be running the programming down at ESPN once you hear this thing. But first, obviously, we got some news going on. It sounds like baseball is actually coming back finally. 
Yeah, finally, I think Rob Manfred took a beating on Twitter, took a beating online, and he, he the internet certainly let him have it. So it sounds like we're going to have baseball relatively soon, which is beautiful because we'd be talking about the All-Star game happening right now. So we've missed a lot of games. Let's get some more games in. Let's get some postseason. Get on the same page as the other professional leagues. Let's get going, Robbie. Extremely, extremely excited. I mean, I had totally written off the baseball season. And for this to kind of break news today, and and obviously everybody's, you know, kind of surprised by this news, I think. I'm just extremely excited. You know, Manfred kind of bit the bullet here. I kind of, I think he saw the the pressure he was getting. And meanwhile, Adam Silver's being arguably the greatest commissioner in all of sports we've ever seen, just being so player friendly and so player accommodating and, and just doing everything right and, and just making sure everybody's comfortable and happy to get this thing done. And meanwhile, Manfred and the owners are dug in like a bunch of spoiled brats. And I don't know, I, I'm just really happy that we've got a chance to see baseball this year, baby. And speaking of Adam Silver, it seems like his league is getting ready to kick off in July. And I think so far only one team has committed to showing up for the practices and the preseason. And everybody else is kind of sitting around waiting to see what they want to do. Kyrie Irving says he wants to start his own league. Yeah, that boy's crazy. He thinks this earth is flat. So I'm, I'm going to let him continue to think what he wants about certain things. But, you know, as far as the impact he's trying to have in the culture right now, I think he's doing a powerful thing. I don't hold that against him. I just think that if other players want to go out there and get their money and do what's going to help them get that, that mental release and get on a basketball court again, that'd be fantastic. So I think that there may be some certain risks down there in Orlando that may not be happening like we wanted to. Things outside of what's happening in in our, our world, as far as, you know, the COVID-19, Sully, we saw a huge spike in Florida just recently. Yeah, we actually broke the record yesterday or two days ago for most cases in one day. You know, there's just places shutting down all over the place down here, too, in Jacksonville, St. Pete, Tampa. It's actually kind of blowing back up, you know, but still, I don't I don't really see that being an issue. I, I don't really know if Kyrie's more concerned with the COVID or the or the movement. And to be honest with you, I, don't, I think their movement would benefit greater by more exposure and people watching, and then they're able to use that platform for their movement. You know, Patrick Beverly had a great quote. He said, if LeBron James said he's hooping, we all hooping. And, and I think that's honestly true. If LeBron comes out and says, hey, look, the Lakers as a team are coming back, uh, I think the rest of the league's going to come back. And, and I think it's just really a matter of time before that happens. In regards to Kyrie having a league and the players having a league, I think we all know that's pretty laughable. They're, LeBron may be the only player that can make that feasible. They just can't afford to take on the losses that these owners do accrue or would accrue in certain situations. So I think that's pretty laughable. But man, I, I'm just really excited to get sports back. And like we said, it looks like baseball's back. Basketball's on the track to being back. Hopefully that doesn't get derailed. You know, hockey's got their season ready to start. You know, football's around the corner. It's just, God, normalcy is coming back, boys. You ready? I'm definitely ready. I can't wait for football, especially. I was so worried that we wouldn't have a football season, and that is really the sport I look forward to the most. Baseball's fine. Basketball, I watch the finals. But football, every single game, every single preseason game, to lose those, I would just be devastated. You boys okay with them pumping in crowd noise in each one of these different leagues? I think it's kind of dumb. I mean, I'd, I'd read somewhere that they were probably going to add the sound in later, like dub it in later for the broadcast, and that was shot down as stupid. And then they're like, well, we'll pump it in while the guys are playing. I, the guys know they're playing in front of no fans, so it just seems silly to me. Just play without fans. Maybe they're doing it for the fans. I think it's silly also. I, I don't really like it. I don't like the idea of pumping in artificial noise. I think they're doing it for the fans to so they're not watching silent games. 
because that can get a little, you know, Jesse had mentioned, you know, watching wrestling silent, you know, that's a little different, but, you know, hearing them grunt and things like that is just a little off-putting. You know, actually, I think it'll be a, a plus in basketball, though. I think we'll be able to hear more court call-outs, a back cut, backdoor cut, backdoor, you know, things like that, which I think, you know, as a, as a fan of the deep ends of the game, I think that will be very exciting. But yeah, I think they're just doing it for the normalcy of the fans and things like that. Would you like to see players in any of these leagues be mic'd up? I don't think you could mic these guys up. And if you did, you know who my favorite would be? It would be Kevin Garnett, and you'd have to have a NC-17 rating on the games. Well, I think they all have, like, you know, they have the ability to kind of, like, because now live TV isn't exactly live. They have the ability to kind of kind of cut things. They're seconds behind because they do it in football games, and you don't catch a lot of cursing and things like that, or they bleep it out. I, I honestly think they should. I think it'd be really cool just for this year. I think it'd be really cool, you know. I, I think it'd just be kind of another behind-the-scenes thing to get fans engaged. I, I think it'd be a really neat idea. Joining us for the second time on the show is Brandon Combs. He is a blog writer for the RTF Sports Network. He has put out the jersey uniform numbers for baseball players, who was the best. That stirred up some controversy a couple shows ago. But he is here to talk NFC North with us. Brandon, thank you for joining the show again. No problem. Thank you for having me, guys. Excited to talk some football. Yeah, Brandon, I'm surprised you were able to uh, walk yourself back to your house after the beatdown you took on here, and then you continued to take online. I saw you take several uppercuts and blows to the chin there. Yeah, you know, um, last blog stirred up some controversy. I wouldn't say I took very many beatdowns, but uh, I certainly had some people arguing with me for sure. It was one, man. You should have just thrown in the towel and just cut it out. But no, man, actually, it was a really great read. I'm not going to lie. I, I really enjoyed the blogs and the whole series. Aside from the Nomar debate, I think it was pretty spot on. And, you know, obviously things are up for opinion. But like I said, overall, it was, it was a great read, man. Absolutely. The commitment that you show to do an entire series of those jersey numbers, it was a wonderful job, man. So we appreciate you doing that for the site. And we appreciate you coming back to the show. I appreciate the kind words, guys. Thank you. I did want to bring up before we get into the football that I know that you just did a recent blog about the long gone summer called Never Gone. Now, I actually was entertained. Dan mentioned he was entertained by this 30 for 30. Jesse said that he's seen YouTube videos that accurately depicted that summer better than the 30 for 30 did. Well, you know what? I really enjoyed the 30 for 30. I remember the 98 season vividly, uh, especially here in Chicago. I was at opening day that year. That was the year that Cubs fans lost Harry Carey, the greatest announcer in Cubs history. We, we loved listening to him, and we lost him that year. And opening day was a bone-chilling day enough. But then that summer, man, that summer was just insane. The way they went back and forth, division rivals, they were competing for a wild-card spot the entire way. And every day you were just looking at standings and then looking to see who hit what home run. And then a lot of people forget that Griffey and Bonds were, were hitting home runs left and right too. They ended up tailing off, you know, after the All-Star break, whereas McGuire and Sosa really ramped it up and pushed each other. But I thought they did a great job on the 30 for 30. I was really entertained for the entire show. Now, did Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa push each other, or were the injections they were sticking in themselves pushing each other? <laughs> Look, man, I, I get that all the time. People want to talk about steroids and this and that. Look, these guys are here to entertain us. These guys are here to put on a show. We pay them to put on a show. And if they're taking steroids, that's on them. Major League Baseball made billions of dollars off of the steroid era, knowing that they were taking steroids, and they allowed them to take steroids. They didn't test. They didn't do any of that stuff until they got their hand caught in the cookie jar and then all of a sudden they made these guys the scapegoats and, and that's really unfair to these players of that era sure they took steroids but just much like some of our listeners who probably are wwe fans 
Who cares? They take steroids, let them take steroids. They're there to entertain us. If that's what they want to do to their body, they make millions and millions and millions of dollars to entertain us. No, I agree. I mean, I don't disagree there. I don't care if you take steroids or not. I'm just saying, let's state it correctly. Barry Bonds and Ken Griffey Jr. tailed off because they weren't taking steroids. I actually think that was that they, they show an interesting moment in that series where Barry Bonds has this look of awe on his face during a game where they play Mark McGuire. And I think that's like kind of the moment where he says, you know what, I'm going to hop on this stuff too. And I'm going to start, you know, hitting these kind of bombs these guys were too. And I don't think Griffey Jr. did that. And I, I think that's why they both tailed off that season. I just think it was a great season. It was obviously very entertaining. I got no issue with the steroids. Do whatever you want to do with yourself. You know, if it hits you, if it makes you hit the ball farther, God willing, I'm glad to see that. I mean, I'm in the camp of, I don't think anybody wasn't juicing back then. I think Cal Ripken juiced. I think maybe Ken Griffey Jr., you, you know, those guys played through so much injuries. The fact that maybe they used a little bit of something to help them through the injuries, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And I don't blame them. I, I don't blame them at all. Well, not to totally steer this conversation in a steroid debate, but Ken Griffey Jr. didn't play through any kind of injuries. And I think that's his main point of why he didn't take steroids is because he was hurt a lot. And I think that's his like main flag that he can put his pole on and say, hey, look, this is I didn't take steroids. I clearly didn't. But I agree with you. I think a lot of guys were. Uh, let's not get off topic here, though. We're, we're here to talk about football. And for what I understand, you're a big Chicago Bears fan. So how do you think they're going to do this year? Indeed, I am. And a lot of people are going to think I'm nuts when they when we start talking about this division. But I really feel that in the grand scheme of things, that the Bears are one of the cream of the crops in this division, <laughs> to be completely honest with you. Uh, please elaborate. Yeah, please, please elaborate <laughs> so, on this one. Bro. So this is the look that I get and the sounds that I get every time that I start talking about this Bears team. Now, a lot of people forget two years ago, this team was a 12-4 and team. And if they had a quarterback, they probably would have won the Super Bowl that year. That defense was insane. And that's still the same defense, still the same core that they got. And the defense only got better this offseason. So that's my first thing. My second thing is, here's where I think the Bears season's going to go. I, I really think they're going to come out of the gate slow. I have them losing their first two games of the season. I have them losing to the Lions and the Giants, and that's when I think Nick Foles takes over at quarterback, and that's when I think that the season turns around. I like the additions that they made in the offseason. I love their draft. The Cole Komet pick was a, was a great pick for them. They still have Cordero Patterson. They did pick up Ted Ginn. You know, obviously not blockbuster names there, but they're guys that I really like on the offense that's going to give Nick Foles a lot of weapons. With a healthy offensive line, last year their offensive line was depleted. And this year, with the, if they have a healthy offensive line and Nick Foles taken over at quarterback, and not to mention, I mean, we still got a very healthy running game. I really like, we have... Uh, Tariq Cohen. Yeah, we have right in the back. Uh, we have Montgomery in the backfield, and I really feel like with the offensive line being healthy, I think that that steers them in the right direction. I actually have them going eleven and five this year. Well, that is that is absolutely crazy, Brandon. I'm not sure if you guys are going to run that new five tight end set out there. You know, Cole Komet would have been an awesome draft <laughs> pick for a team that didn't already have an entire roster full of tight ends. I don't have the Bears. Be you know? Did they though? Did they really have a full roster of tight ends, or did they have guys who say that they're tight ends? That was their 10th tight end they have rostered right now. Yeah, no, I, and, and I get it, but they just they, they don't have anybody who's been a good enough tight end. I mean, Shaheen, maybe, if he can stay healthy. But beyond Shaheen, I mean, I, I don't see anything there. I think Komet is a viable, good threat for them, and I, I really feel like he's going to improve that part of the offense. And, and let's not forget that they also went out and they added Jimmy Graham. 
I mean, another good, quiet signing that nobody really talks about, but Jimmy Graham was a great signing. Yeah, he, he was an awesome player in 2014. <laughs> All right. Yeah, my, the record I have for the Bears is actually 9-7. and seven. I, I see them actually getting to be third in the division. I don't have them finishing any higher than 9-7. and seven. I struggle to see them winning many games with the quarterback duel that they have. Nick Foles has looked good in spurts, but I don't trust Trubisky. I don't trust that offense. I think that that franchise's window has certainly closed, or it's closing very fast. Ryan Pace did not do a wonderful job in the draft a couple years ago when he passed on not only Pat Mahomes, because you really can't put a lot of blame on him for that, but passing on Watson and Mahomes and going with Trubisky, trading up for Trubisky is just such a blunder that there's no recovering from that. You guys aren't going to get 11 wins this year, buddy. I agree with you 100%. 100% on the Mitch Trubisky. I don't trust Mitch Trubisky either. But that's why I have him coming out of the offense starting week three. And, I mean, their schedule's really not that tough outside of the division um, once you get to this, other than the Saints. I mean, who they, they've got the Falcons. The Falcons aren't that tough. You play the Titans, the Bucks, the Saints, the 49ers. The Rams, the the Packers, and the Vikings. Titans, the Packers twice. Like, what are you talking? Your schedule's a, a murderer's row. A murderer's row. You have one of the hardest schedules in the entire NFL. We're, I have them beating the Falcons. I have them beating the Colts. I have them beating the Panthers. I have them beating the Rams. I have them beating the Titans. I have them beating the Texans. I have them beating the Jags. And, and then I have the uh, – in this division, I, I never pick anybody to sweep any division series. So every team, when I look at the schedule, I have them splitting with every team. This division is, is just they, – they call it the black and blue division for a reason. And these teams just beat each other up. I, I think well, that Green Bay is going to have a down year. Because you're nuts. So your team's going 5-11. and 11. <laughs> They're awful. They're not a good football team. I don't really see it. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see what you're seeing. I think it's a little Chicago bias, and that's fine. I get it. Uh, you know, you talk about what ifs and what ifs, and that's a lot of what ifs, and that's you, you know, kind of what your arguments are based on. And I like facts. They're they're gonna lose both games to the Packers. They're gonna probably split the the Lions and the Falcons. I'll give you that. But you mentioned they're gonna lose to the Giants. That's fine. They're gonna lose to the Colts. They're gonna lose to the Bucks. They're going to lose to the Saints. They're going to lose to the Rams. They're going to lose to the Titans. I mean, they're just better football teams. They've shown that. I don't really see how you don't see that. I don't see how you think they're better than any of those teams on any given day. But, hey, you know, I get it. I just don't really see it. What do you think, Wayne? Well, I actually agree with you again. 5-11 and 11 is what I have them as. And I have them 0-6 in the division. I have them losing every single game in the division. So you guys have a team that you say isn't very good, but did improve from last year. They improved their roster. They improved I don't think they every, improved at all from last year. W- with the exception of quarterback, they improved at every position that they needed to improve at. And their defense is still sick. And you have them losing three more games than they lost last year? Did they improve at receiver? Right. Uh, I, I would say they, they didn't need to improve at receiver. I, did, I don't think they needed to improve at receiver. That was not one of their big needs. Their biggest need, they did not improve, and I, I really wish that they would go get Cam Newton since he's still freaking out there. I don't know why we went with Big Dick Nick instead of going with Cam Newton, but, I mean, I'm not Ryan Pace, and, and I think Ryan Pace is a jag, and I don't think that he's a good GM. But I, there's nothing we can do about that. We go with what we have, and I think Nick Foles is, is a pretty damn good proven backup. So do the Bears make the playoffs in your scenario, Brandon? I have them at, in the wild card, yes. So I 
like I said, I have them 0-6 in the division. I have them beating the crappy teams that they're going to play this year, which is basically, I have the Titans. I know that you guys may disagree about whether or not they're crappy. I don't love the Titans. So I have them beating the Titans, the Giants, the Falcons, the Texans, and the Jaguars, and then losing all the rest of the games. And wow. that's because I just think that they play the toughest schedule. Like Dan was saying, they play the 49ers. They play the entire NFC South, which aside from the NFC West might be the toughest division Absolutely. The NFC South is crazy. Yeah, it's a murderer's row. I mean, they are lucky enough to play both the Bucks and the Saints at home, but I don't think that's going to matter because I think both those teams are far superior. But, you know, I just think it's going to be a tough division. Uh, like I said, uh, I don't think they're going to get swept, but I just don't think it's going to be a, an easy time for them. I think the Vikings are going to split with them. I think the Lions will split, but I think the Packers are going to be a really good team this year. So You guys keep saying the 49ers, but I, preseason losses don't count in, in regular season standings. They don't play the 49ers in the regular season. That's preseason. Oh, I was just following Dan's lead, so thanks, Dan. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's my bad. I, I saw the Rams on the schedule and then the 49ers on the schedule, so I figured they were playing NFC West also. It's going to get into their heads, yeah, man. No, they, but but still, I have them at 11-5. You've got them losing to the Lions twice, Wayne. I do. I mean, the Lions were 3-13 and 13 last year. How much more improved do you think that they are? They didn't do anything this offseason. Except get their quarterback back. Do you not watch football? What is I, happening Come right on. Now? All right, so the Lions got their quarterback back, and what's he done for them since he's been in the league? Oh, I don't know. Throw for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. That's great. How many playoff wins does he have? He's he's twice the quarterback you've ever had for your franchise ever in the history of your franchise. I completely agree with you. The Bears have never had a good quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even argue with you. What has he ever done? I'm I'm a huge, huge, huge Matt Stafford fan. I'm a huge Matt. I think you like to play the what-if game. If Matt Stafford's on the Patriots, I think he does almost the same thing Tom Brady does in that effective scheme and things like that. I think he has all the cerebral tools Tom Brady has, and I think he has all the physical tools Tom Brady has. I don't think he's been put in a great situation. He never had an offensive line or a run game or anything like that, or a defense Man. for that matter. I mean, it's it's the Detroit Lions are, are a poor historic franchise. That's why Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, all these guys left so early. You know, Matt Stafford's been a great guy to stick around this whole time, if I'm being honest. I, I'm going to put you in, in the same question that you put me in. Do you watch football? Did you really just compare Clearly, Matt Stafford to Tom Brady? <laughs> Come on. Well, I, I, I think a lot of quarterbacks would succeed in the situation that Tom Brady was in, to be fair. I, I don't. I don't think they would do everything Tom Brady did. I think they would succeed in similar ways. If Matt Stafford played in New England during this dynasty, he'd have four Super Bowls. That's a conver- That's a conversation for an, another podcast, I guess. Oh, because- absolutely. Sorry, we're going to have to put a pin in that. Tom Brady did so much more with so less around him that, I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah, kidding we're, me. We're, gonna, we're definitely going to have a, our own segment for that, boys. So, Brandon, you have the Bears winning the wild card in that division. Who do you have actually winning the division? I have the Vikings, also at 11-5, and five, winning the division. I have them you know, winning the, the tiebreaker against the Bears. But I've, I've got Minnesota winning the division. I, I think Green Bay is really going to have a down year. I think that they're going to have a pissed-off, upset, whiny-ass freaking Aaron Rodgers because they went out and drafted Love. And I just think that he's just going to go out there and he's going to have a, a one of those – Aaron Rodgers shitty years they did nothing to improve around him he needed so much help on the offense and, and he's not going to get anything I really don't see where you guys get Detroit being better I got Detroit better than they were last year with Matt Stafford but I still have them at seven and nine with their schedule as well 
I don't think that the Lions did enough to improve around Stafford. I don't think that they do enough to protect Stafford. And, and there's nothing to say by week three he's not going to be back on IR with another freaking like a broken neck or something because they can't pass protect. Sully, don't you have that shitty Aaron Rodgers winning an award this year? <laughs> yeah, he's going to be the MVP this year, I think. I don't see, again, what you're thinking. I don't know what kind of shitty year Aaron Rodgers had before where you say he's going to have one of those shitty Aaron Rodgers years. I, I, he's never had one. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think he's going to come out with a, with a fire lit under his ass and prove this franchise kind of like, hey, you want to draft this guy? Like, we'll see what happens. I have them going 10-6 and six and winning the division. Wow. Overall, I think kind of the division, like, like he did mention, I think they do kind of beat up on each other. And they do kind of have a tough schedule because they do play the NFC South and I think the NFC South beats up on them so I have them 10 and 6 winning the division I have the Vikings at 7 and 9 nothing special just kind of average and and then the Lions at 8 and 8 wow the Vikings at 7 and 9 really yeah, I think the loss of Stefan Diggs is actually kind of going to be a big one. I don't think Adam Thielen is a guy that can command a like a true kind of offense by himself. I think they need the two wide receivers to help in that scheme. So you didn't like the draft of Justin Jefferson then? I do like Justin Jefferson, just not as much as Stefan Diggs, obviously. Okay. He's not going to step onto the field and catch 80 balls for 1,000 yards. Well, not only Justin Jefferson, but they also drafted Ezra Cleveland to go out there and, and block. And, I mean, when you block for that run game, I mean, that run game is where Minnesota makes its money. And Well, run game with a running back who's not going to play for him this year. I was going to say, it's funny you brought up run game and money in the same sentence and didn't actually remember that Dalvin <laughs> Cook's going to hold out. I, you know, I think in the grand scheme, I think Dalvin Cook will end up playing. And I, I honestly, I think that they'll end up paying him. That may be all good, but Kirk Cousins is still going to be the quarterback for that team, and he's the worst <laughs> quarterback in that division. Worse than Trubisky? <laughs> oh, you forgot Mitchell Trubisky was in that division? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't forget about my guy Mitch. He he He's the worst quarterback oh, in Nick that Fo- Nick Foles is better than Kirk Cousins. Nick, no. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl against Tom Brady. Uh, so I actually have the Packers going 12-4 and four in this division. I believe Whoa. in this team. I went through their, their entire schedule, and I went, man, I think they're going to squeeze out some of these real tight, tough wins. They're certainly going to no lose way. some to some superior teams. The NFC is crazy competitive this year. But I've got the Packers going 12-4 and four and win that division. And then I have the Vikings winning the wild card, actually, at 9-7. and seven. I think you guys highly value Green Bay way too much because everybody loves Aaron Rodgers. He is that man. Yeah, that bad man. I was going to say, like, I have 12-4 and four for the Packers as well, winning that division, but the idea that have you'd have two teams in the NFC North winning 11 games with that schedule that they all have to play, I just think that's outrageous. I mean, I have, again, 12-4, and four, I think the Packers win the division. I agree with Dan. I have 7-9 and nine for the Vikings, and I'm close to Dan. I have 9-7 and seven for the Lions. So basically, you got twelve and four, nine and seven, no playoffs, seven and nine, no playoffs, five and eleven, no playoffs. There will not be a wild card from the NFC North. I agree with that completely. I don't think a wild card comes out of there. You know, we'll talk about this in another segment. We talked about how strong the NFC South is, and then we'll talk about how strong the NFC West is. I think that's where the wild cards come from. So, where do you guys, where do you guys see twelve wins for the Packers, but don't see it for Minnesota? I don't, I don't understand. They play essentially because the same the Packers schedule. Have I don't see where you like the Packers defense is insanely good. They didn't lose anyone. They're stupid good. You talk about the Bears defense. I think the Packers defense is actually a better defense. J.R. Alexander's a stud. Darnell Savage is a stud. Preston Smith and Zayar Smith or Zadarius Smith off the edges are bona fide studs. Kenny Clark is a bona fide stud. I just think they're set up better. Yes, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a ton of weapons. I don't think he needs them. I mean, he still has Devontae Adams. They're still going to win a ton of games. Aaron Jones is still going to ball out this year. I just think they're a more complete 
complete football team. And you're going to say that Chicago is equally built. And while I agree they have a decent defense, their offensive line is atrocious. It's it's bad. James Daniels and Cody Whitehair need to figure it out in the middle. They really do. I'm not a big Bobby Macy fan. I know he's kind of average. He does his thing, but he's just not a great player. He's never going to get it done. And Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles just aren't going to win you ball games. They may not lose you ball games, but they're never going to win you ball games. And I think that's why they're an average football team. Huh. Okay. Now, what about our awards? So, Brandon, this is what we do. I don't know if I mentioned it. We like to do kind of like a, a most valuable player from the division and then a least valuable player, like somebody who completely underperformed. I don't know if you were prepared for that, but mm-hmm. um, if not, if you want to think about it for a second, I know all of us usually kind of come up with one player for each of those categories. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll lead and we can give Brandon some time to think if he needs some. Obviously, my most valuable player is going to be Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he, I got him as the MVP of the league. I think he's just going to really, really, really kind of put this whole team on his back and have a fantastic year. That's kind of my take for him for most valuable player. I do agree. This should be a quick discussion for the MVP in the NFC North. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers. I agree as well. I think, uh, you know, again, 4,000, 4,500 yards, probably 35 touchdowns, eight interceptions, something like that. He's a top five quarterback in the league. He's going to perform like a top five quarterback in the league. I know he doesn't have a ton of weapons, but he's going to give you an Aaron Rodgers year every single year. And when you look at that entire division and what they have to go up against this year, I think he's the only person I would even give MVP to. We keep saying he doesn't have anybody, but we they do have Devontae Adams. Yeah, I mentioned him too. I mean, outside of Devontae Adams, they're pretty lacking for, for what they've got at weapons. But, you know, Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, I'm telling you, that they can carry an offense. I, I really think they can't. But, you know, I think they're a decent team. I think they're, they have decent weapons. I mean, this may shock you guys, but I don't have Aaron Rodgers as my MVP of the North. Stunned. <laughs> I actually, uh, I would go with Nick Foles, to be honest with you. I, I have them at 11 and 5, and I have them at 11 and 5 because he comes in for Mitch Trubisky, and I think he turns their season around. I really feel that that's the direction it's going to go. I think that defense is good enough to carry the load, and I think Nick Foles is a good enough quarterback to lead this team to, to an 11 and 5 record. I don't think Nick Foles is good enough to lead them anywhere. And I think if the Bills do actually go 11-5, and then that means that the MVP of the world has got to be Khalil Mack. You probably mean the Bears. Yeah, the the Bills, Khalil Mack doesn't play for the Bills. <laughs> Which is funny you mentioned Khalil Mack because that's actually going to be my least valuable player this year from that division. And it's not why you may think. I actually think he gets hurt. So, you know, just kind of by default, we expect all these great things from him. And I think he's kind of going to have his a down year this year. I think he's just kind of due for one. The guy's been so good for so long. I think it's just going to catch up to him. So that's kind of my pick there, which may be a surprise. My least valuable player is going to play for the Bears. It's actually Mitch Trubisky. I do agree with Brandon that there's going to be a quarterback change somewhere in the season. I don't think it's going to be a super successful one. I don't care who's at the helm. That team is going to stink. But Mitch Trubisky is my least valuable player for the NFC North. Now, my least valuable player actually comes from the Minnesota Vikings because I agree with Brandon that they should be 11-5, and but they are going to be 7-9, and and that's going to be because Dalvin Cook is going to hold out for the first four to five weeks of the season. When he comes back, he's going to play like a dog, completely out of shape, and so Dalvin Cook is my least valuable player. Well, I got as my least valuable player. I think I'm going to go with another quarterback here, and I'm going to go to Detroit. I just don't think he's going to have a good year. I think that he may end up hurt again after, you know, week one or two. I, they can't protect him. I, so I got Matthew Stafford as being Miley's valuable player. All right. So I guess we got the division kind of planned out, MVP, LVP, and definitely we appreciate having Brandon on. Now, before we let you go, 
Obviously, I did a blog recently kind of copying your idea, but just taking it to a different level with the jersey numbers. I went NBA and I did a jersey Olympics. So I did a gold, silver and bronze for each number as opposed to just the best player. So please tell me if you had done the Olympics that Joe DiMaggio would have gotten a medal. Oh, Joe DiMaggio would have gotten a medal. He would have gotten the silver. But yeah, absolutely. All right. Don't leave us hanging. Who gets that bronze? Uh, the bronze would have been uh, as much as I hate to say it as a Cubs fan. It would have been Albert Pujols. OK, good. Whew, you had me worried there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, thanks for ha- coming on and uh, talking with us. It's always fun. I'm sure we're going to have you on again, and I'm sure you're going to write something that gets Dan's blood pressure up again, and it'll be great to have you come on and kind of you know debate with us. I love having you come on. I love your takes, and I think that you're passionate about them, even if we disagree with you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm never afraid to uh, voice my opinion. Um, I love arguing with, with Dan and Jesse, even though they're wrong 90% of the time. I and mean, I love arguing with Wayne, even though I, I, I tend to agree with some of his takes. Um, I also tend to disagree with, with some of them. Gallon Iverson. Yeah. I, I, you know, he's, not siding with you, Dan. he's not siding with you about the Clay Thompson thing. It's about the Olympics. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Thanks for All having right, thanks me. Thanks for coming on. Take care, man. That will lead us into our Infinity Five, a very special Infinity Five for all you ESPN fans. We mentioned it with Brandon. We watched the 30 for 30 Long Gone Summer. Jesse didn't really love it. I was entertained. Dan was entertained. None of us liked that piece of shit Bruce Lee 30 for 30. Am I right? I didn't like the documentary. Bruce Lee is a legend, but that documentary did him absolutely no justice. It didn't provide me anything new, uh, anything super detailed. It was a waste of my time. I actually dozed off. Yeah, me too. I fell asleep to it. It was so boring. I just, it, which was so disappointing because I went into it like hoping because 30 for 30, we all love. I mean, let's get that out the way first. We fucking love 30 for 30. What they do is incredible. So I expected this to be incredible and it was just so boring and just blah. It, you know, I, I was pretty disappointed. I felt like the content could have been so much better. And like you said, I love 30 for 30s. They always do such a good job. And I love Bruce Lee. And I think, oh, you take two things I love and put them together. It's like Reese's peanut butter cups, right? Wrong. It's like putting chocolate and pickles together. Oh, gross, man. <laughs> you just had to ruin that for me. Well, man. I love pickles and I love chocolate, but to put them together, no thanks. I do too. So quick, quick side, what's your favorite pickle? Uh, I like the uh, kosher dills. What about you, Jesse? I'm a kosher spear. See, I'm a, a spicy a spicy bread and butter guy. No, oh, I can't do spicy anything. Oh, those sweet heats. Ooh-wee. I'll eat a whole jar of those fucking things, man. Well, we got a spicy Infinity Five. We do. I was just going to say, we got a little bit of sidetrack, but we are doing kind of a cool idea. Instead of going a top five or a worst five, bottom five, what we decided to do is come up with five ideas for ESPN's 30 for 30s, shows that we would like to see that are going to be an hour to an hour and a half or whatever long. We gave them all 30 for 30 names, and we're going to tell you what they're all about. And you can decide whether or not you would want to watch the episode, but I'm excited to go over mine. I know these guys are excited to go over yours, so... I'm actually going to have Jesse kick it off. Jesse, what is your first 30 for 30, and what's the title? What's it about? Well, to to lead off, I'm very excited about this Infinity 5. Wayne, you actually threw this idea out in the group chat, and I'm very excited to lead off with, that's quite cavalier of you, NBC. 
That is the story of the 16 seed that beat Virginia. The first time that we've seen a 16 seed beat a one seed in the history of the 64 team NCAA tournament. That team ended up losing in the very next round, but the 20 point lead that they held that entire game, the way that they crushed that number one seed, it was just monumental. And I think if we could get some more details about that, I'm pretty sure ESPN could fluff that up and make it a really wonderful story. So I think the first 16 over the one would be a nice story for them to do. Yeah, I think so, too. I think maybe kind of following that team around, how they did all season, you know, some of the tougher games that they played and really trying to go into that whole detail before that that game against Virginia, kind of culminating maybe with that game against Virginia and then the little subtitles at the end about what happened after that. But the the 16 beating a one, I knew it was going to happen. And Virginia almost lost the following year to a 16. I, I knew it was going to happen and it did eventually. And I think that would be a cool story. The title might be a little long for me, though. I think it's a truly exciting story. Like, really, honestly, the fact that it's only been done once, you know what I mean? Like, that's why I think it would be so cool and, you know, a really fun story to follow. I don't know if you could get a whole hour and documentary into it, but I think the idea of it's really cool. So my first one, I've got, you know, it's going to hit close to home. He's probably my favorite NFL player of all time. I don't know if I love the title, but it's Kane and Gone Too Soon, and it's the story of Sean Taylor. I'm honestly surprised they haven't done one, so I I think that needs to be done kind of right away. He was just such a huge force when he was playing the game. I think we all kind of watched and just saw his trajectory and saw he was about to be a Hall of Famer, and then just to be killed the way he was and things like that. I mean, I, I just think that would be a great 30 for 30. I do like the title. I like to play on words, Sully. I do think that ESPN has done two 30 for 30 so far that did involve the University of Miami. They had the U and then they had the Catholics versus Convicts documentary that they did. So I think it'd be tough for them to continue to do another one with so many awesome stories out there. But Sean Taylor is certainly one of the best players that we saw taken away from us too soon. His impact both collegiately and professionally will be remembered for a long time, especially for our generation. And what I like about it the most as a programmer, if I'm an ESPN associate, is that it is the whole gone too soon. That's compelling no matter who it's about. If it's Reggie Lewis, if it's Sean Taylor, if it's Kobe Bryant, the idea of gone too soon makes for a great documentary no matter who it's about. Yeah, exactly. Just like your boy Lem Bias. Except for him. <laughs> what about you, Wayne? What's your first one? So my first one is called Backyard Billions. And what it is, it's about the history of cornhole, which has become just a juggernaut out there. Everybody you go over their house this summer, they have a cornhole set. Everybody's got a cornhole set. Some of them bring it with them. There's like 20 cornhole sets. They have tournaments. I remember seeing a cornhole world championships in Massachusetts. They had a hundred sets out there. They have professional cornholes now getting airtime on ESPN. It actually was before COVID. It's just such a hugely growing sport. And it started off as just kind of like a backyard game, a tailgate game. So Backyard Billions would kind of follow the history of cornhole into the billion-dollar industry that is now. I would definitely be interested in seeing that. I like the title, but what I like more is the in-depth personalities that you would see. It's not professional folks that we would see playing cornhole. I actually remember seeing late night on ESPN, a collegiate championship between uh, two teams going at it in cornhole, and uh, it entertained me. It kept me awake. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. Yeah, I would too. What's crazy is, you know, we, we do these things and Cornhole never even fucking crossed my mind. But to be honest with you, you're right. You know, it's kind of caught the nation by storm and it's been pretty crazy. And, it, you know, I think it would be a really cool little neat story if I'm being honest with you. I'd love to know like the background history of it. Like I really would. So the next 30 for 30 documentary that I am going to help produce is going to be called Blink 958, a play on the Blink 182 name. It's actually 9.58, and that's how fast Usain Bolt set the record for the 100 meter. This man has just dominated an entire sport for a decade. He holds 
11 world championships. He has the record for both the 100 and 200 meter. Usain Bolt is a fun character. He is a lovable guy, and I think it would be wonderful to see an in-depth 30 for 30 documentary on this legend in the track and field game. Well, that really would be a really good one. Man, this is a really cool fucking segment, guys. I'm not going to lie. That that would be a really cool, interesting documentary. I think they, I, again, I'm shocked they haven't already done one. Like, that's nuts. That would be a really amazing one. I agree. I think that Usain Bolt is fascinating to watch on the field. I think that his personality is big and colorful, and people are attracted to him as a story-wise. I think doing an entire story about Usain Bolt would be fantastic. I would be riveted. And I got to say, home run on Blink 958. That is fantastic title yeah I, I agree that's a really cool title yeah this was definitely super fun this is my most favorite infinity five we've done so far and i i'm not just in love with mine so far i know that i'm going to continue to love and be interested in the stories you guys are sharing so what do you got what are you going to hit us with next well i was going to wait but i might as well do it since we're in the olympic theme i've got mine it's called swimming through fire and it's the Michael Phelps story and just what he kind of has been through more since he's done swimming and the mental health issues he's gone through and, you know, having to deal with smoking weed and the backlash from being upfront about that and things like that. And obviously his story as well with the Olympics, but I mean, just more through both sides of the story and things like that, because he's been a big advocate about mental health issues and about how he's had these mental health issues and how you need to speak up and, and that's how you solve these problems. So I think it'd be a really cool documentary to to get more in depth about what he really was going through at that time and kind of the mental pain he was dealing with while he was the biggest star in the world and dominating a sport like nobody's ever seen. Yeah, when you think of some of the greatest athletes in just my lifetime, I think both Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps are on that list. The way that they dominated their individual sport, the way that they just crushed everybody, didn't look back and took all the gold that they could. Wonderful, wonderful topic, Sully. I'm just shocked that neither one of these have been done so far. Yeah, I think it's a really cool idea. Again, another Olympian, another multiple record holder, and the idea of seeing him just not only winning, but like you said, kind of those scenes where you can see him kind of going into a convenience store and picking something up and maybe taking a photo with a clerk. And it's just like the side of him that we don't get to see. Like, this is him every day. And then this is kind of the story that made him who he is. Kind of like with cycling, I think it would bring a brighter light on both the sprinting and then the swimming aspects of the sports. So I think it'd be wonderful to see that, that 30 for 30, Sully. Yeah, my next one, I actually kind of took a cheap way out a little bit because they have touched on it a little bit in other 30 for 30s. But, you know, we saw the Lance Armstrong one and I absolutely loved it. And the Michael Jordan one that kind of focused a lot on him and then everybody else was like a side story, all the interviews and whatnot. I wanted to see a two-part documentary called Juiced. And the central character would be Jose Canseco, kind of like Lance Armstrong, with obviously A-Rod and Bonds and all them being like the supporting cast. But just to see Canseco for two parts tell his whole story that he wrote the the two books, Juiced and Juice Part 2. I think that steroid use, especially in the game of baseball, is such a fascinating topic, especially when you're seeing some old cryptic baseball writers are kind of fading away. And those are the ones that were keeping certain steroid users, known steroid users out of the Hall of Fame. And we're seeing it. You were seeing those players get more votes. So it's a fascinating topic. And I think fans would would still be just wanting to see more and more of the in-depth interviews, especially with guys with such characters like that. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I thought about this as a topic, but I think it's kind of been saturated. Now, again, I I don't think the the strictly Jose Canseco story has, and I think that would be really cool to see, like you said, a strictly one where it's him doing the interviews and getting his story, I think would be really interesting. 
you know, I think the the whole steroid in sports in general, I think it should, would be a really cool like topic and to see if we could get really behind the scenes with it. But again, like I said, I think it's been kind of saturated with the whole Balcos and things like that. But I mean, obviously, Jose Canseco is a, a, a hugely electric figure. So yeah, that boy knows how to use Twitter almost as well as our president. <laughs> What's your next one, Jesse? All right. My next one is actually called Jackets Greener on the Other Side. And this is the rise, fall, and then the re-rise of Tiger Woods. And I'd like it to go over the scandal, then through the rehabbing of his injuries and kind of rehabbing his character, to then winning the Masters again. I am a huge fan of Tiger Woods. I love the game of golf. And I think that society loves to build somebody up, tear him down, and then rebuild him. And there has been no greater example of that than Tiger Woods. Seeing him win the Masters again, putting on that green jacket, seeing the crowds just be so just impactful just following him down the green it was so awesome so i would love to see a 30 for 30 that starts with you know probably like the the police call for when his wife was kind of going after him with those golf clubs and then just again just going through the the rise of him coming back at that so again the jacket's greener on the other side Great title, man. You're killing it with these titles. Yeah, I think that would be cool to see it from like maybe they start with like it opens with like the 911 call or something like that. And then that's where they start it and they go from that like his demise and watch him build back up. I think would be really, really interesting to watch. You know, that moment where he won the Masters. I mean, that's one of the I think the greatest sports moments of all time. It resonates with me so much, you know, just to see him come back from being so beaten down to the top of the world again. I, I'd I'd watch that documentary on the seat of the or the edge of my seat. I really would. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. And I actually even thought about doing a documentary myself about the just the crash, just the whole crash and how that led to his demise. I didn't even think about kind of the story of the comeback or even, you know, starting off a little bit with some of the achievements before the crash. I just thought about something centered around the crash and the idea that you would take that story of the buildup, focus on the crash and then just the rejuvenation and coming back and winning. Because I also Tiger Woods is my favorite golfer of all time. And I wear everything Nike when I go golfing. I just love Tiger Woods and I always will. I don't care, you know, what he did in his personal life. He's fantastic. My next one, I, I personally have a big heart for it, and it's Would You Bet on Yourself is the name of it, and it's the Pete Rose story, essentially, and his his rise as the hit king, you know, his him betting on baseball and things like that, and then being him being held out of the MLB Hall of Fame because the story goes, you know, he did bet on his own team to win, so, and that's what he's being held out for. And so, yeah, I think that would be a really riveting story, and I think, you know, I'm honestly shocked that one hasn't been done yet, too, to be honest. Yeah, he's such a big character, and I think that because he didn't want to come out and tell the truth earlier on in his career, and he held on to it for so long, uh, it'd be a shame for him not to get in the Hall of Fame eventually. Again, I think that we're starting to see the opinions of stuff like steroids kind of go away, so maybe he gets in before you know he ends up passing, but I think he absolutely deserves, and I'd watch that in a heartbeat. I'd watch it too. And I think that'd be cool to see that old footage and kind of see the modern day Pete Rose being interviewed and maybe just asking him like, you know, they could show like highlights of him stealing a base in 1979 or something like that. And he'd be like, Oh yeah, I remember this game. I, I, you know, I had two stolen bases and I'd actually bet, you know, that I was whatever, just kind of hearing those stories would be really cool and seeing the footage as he was talking about it, I think would be kind of riveting. I agree. That's what I mean. I just think like that behind the scenes stuff to where, especially nowadays, because he's been a lot more open about it now because I think he realized he has to be. And people are more forgiving if you're open and admit your mistakes. So I, I think it would be really cool to, cool to, to see. 
that's something that the 30 for 30 is really specialized in is getting someone's honest opinions to be shared with everybody. So I think that Pete would be just so special on there to be able to just share with everybody what was happening then. Like you said, Wayne, did he bet on a certain stolen base? Did he bet on his stats? Did he bet on the team? And if that would have an impact on fans and, and his potential to get in the Hall of Fame. I love human interest stories. I love stories about people and situations. And this one kind of is a situation that I always get really angry about, even nowadays, when it comes to Roger Goodell and his overreach of discipline. And this 30 for 30 was going to be called Dual Threat. And it's all about Terrell Pryor and kind of how he came up as the number one rated high school player in the country, number one quarterback. He was a dual threat guy, runs a 4-3-5-40. He's 6-6. He's got a big arm. He goes to Ohio State. They go to a couple bowl games. He gets expelled for selling his jersey for tattoos, not even for money, but for tattoos, which again, I'm very pro pay the athletes. So that's one aspect of it. But then he goes in the supplemental draft and he gets drafted by the Raiders and Roger Goodell suspends him for the first four games of his NFL career because when he was in college, he got tattoos. That's the worst suspension in the history of sports. I don't care what anyone says. And so I just did a whole documentary about Terrell Pryor, but kind of focusing on that bullshit suspension, I think would be something. I, don't, I honestly don't know if I like that one, Wayne. I'm going to be completely blunt with you. I agree that it's an interesting... I just don't know if you could get like an hour of it, and I don't think you'd get a lot of people sympathetic to Terrell Pryor's plight and things like that. I agree with you that I think it's an egregious suspension and Roger Goodell oversteps his powers every day of the week. But I mean, I, I think it's even more hilarious that Josh Gordon gets suspended for all these years for literally his career ruined for smoking weed, and now they don't even care about it. Rob Gronkowski quit football because he couldn't smoke weed. Now he's back because he can smoke weed. But I just don't know if you get an hour out of it. That's all. I think you get a couple episodes in if you're going to get the series of worst decisions that Roger Goodell has made because there could be, oh my goodness, an entire season's worth because he's made so many bad decisions. He actually didn't know that he got suspended in the NFL for something he did collegiately, so that's news to me. But I do kind of agree with Sully. I'm not sure that we could get a full hour of story out of that, and I hate Ohio State, so I'm not sure I would really care about his collegiate stuff. The fourth one that I have here is called The Irish Enigma. We had planned to talk a little bit about this guy's most recent uh, retirement, and I just did do air quotes. But I think that Conor McGregor is one of the biggest characters that this world has seen in the last couple decades and that the fight game has seen. He brought a lot of money, a lot of cameras to the UFC he is a quote machine, a press conference machine, and he has made so much money. I just think that a documentary just going over some of his biggest fights, the fact that he makes money when he loses, um, when he lost to Floyd, um, and then the fact that this guy could go and make money in wrestling, almost like Rob Gronkowski, will probably end up being a bit more physical with wrestling. So I think that Irish Enigma for Conor McGregor would be a super fun one. I'd watch that, but maybe not right now. I think I'm just kind of sick of him, to be honest. But I think I'd watch it in 10 years. Like, you know what I mean? I think that would be a really good time to bring it out. But yeah, I'd be because I think he is one of the most polarizing sports figures we've ever seen. He is. I think he's very colorful, just like Usain Bolt. He's got a huge personality. It's as big as, you know, the planet. And I think that, that would help definitely drive the series. I think that he isn't a tremendously great fighter. I know he was a champion, but when you look at the fighters in his weight classes historically, he's not one of the best of all time, but he is, I think, one of the best promoters of all time. And I'd be curious to see, I know he fought Floyd. I'm not sure if Floyd helped him promote himself through UFC, but I'd be curious to get that background of how he became so good at promoting himself 
because even though he may be ranked as maybe the 12th or 13th or 14th best fighter of all time, he actually has seven of the top eight grossing fights of all time. Yeah, like I said, he's he's polarizing, he's hugely popular, you know what I mean? Everybody wants to see him, and, and it also helps that he knocks people out every other fight. So, I mean, that that's that's obviously huge. Sully, what do you got next? You know, I sat here and I racked my brain forever to find a catchy, cool title, and I can't. Maybe you guys can help me. All I got is Ronaldo or Messi. And I think it's, you know, we're living in a time right now where we're watching, or we have been watching, two of the greatest athletes we'll ever see in any generation. They're arguably their two greatest players in their sport. And it's this, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi. And really, which one's better? These guys have dominated football for the last two decades, essentially. They're, they've got Ballon d'Ors galore, and they win all these titles. And But which one truly is better? You know, which which side do you fall on? And, and I think that would be a really cool document. I think because they do both speak different languages, correct? One speaks uh, Portuguese and one speaks, uh, is it Spanish? To be fair, they probably both speak both languages. You know, these players speak all kinds of languages. Yes, Cristiano Ronaldo is from Portugal. His base language is going to be Portuguese. I know he speaks Spanish and Italian. And Messi, yes, he's from Argentina, so his base language is Spanish. I I was just thinking whatever the Spanish word is for goat. Cabro. To make people have to look it up, that may be a good sell. Like, <laughs> like the next 30 for 30 documentary is just a date, and it was advertised. And I go, what the hell happened then? I had to actually look it up. But it, it's certainly a, a heated debate. Soccer is the biggest sport in the entire world. So to talk about two of the best players of all time, especially right now in our generation, that'd be huge. You'd have uh, it's split right down the middle. It's Sox Yankees. It's Duke UNC. It's Ohio State, Michigan, except in a much larger scale. These guys have had such an impact on their sport that you'd have so many people all across the world want to tune into this one. My fourth one is actually called Windy City Sun, and it's actually Sun, S-O-N, and it's all about, I'd have written the blog about him called Into the Shadows, Ronnie Fields, Chicago kid that grew up, went to Farragut Academy, played with Kevin Garnett his junior year, was National Player of the Year, you know, going into his senior year, he averages 33 points and 14 rebounds, 8 assists, whatever it is, a game, 5 blocks, he's just an outstanding freak athlete, and to get to see all the highlight videos of him, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's about 6'3", that would literally jump over the heads of seven foot centers and he'd do like reverses and it was just nuts and how good he was in the fall that he had just getting into the car accident having the uh, sexual assault charge and just never quite making it to the nba never even getting onto a practice squad or a summer league squad this guy's the all-time leading scorer in cba history so it'd be really cool to see his whole story played out in video and like i said because he's from chicago he grew up his whole life he's still there windy city sun son i thought it was kind of a cool title I absolutely agree, Wayne. After reading your blog, I became so much more interested in this guy, and I would sit down and watch every second of a documentary that goes over his rise and fall. There are so many things that happened in his career. He really had to ride the wave from high school on to see the players that kind of passed him by and the skill sets that he did possess. It'd be a wonderful story. It really would. Those are the kind of ones that I actually enjoy watching. The ones I don't know anything about, really. Like, you know, like I know a ton about Sean Taylor. I know a ton about Pete Rose. You know, I know a ton about Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I'd still watch them. But the ones about Ronnie Fields are the ones that I watch and I'm like really paying attention to and really focusing on what's going on on the episodes because, you know, I don't know a ton about what's actually happening. So that would be really, really, really cool for me to watch personally. All right, so my last one, and Sully, I'm actually glad that you uh, you gave my last one a criticism of being uh, a little, maybe a little too soon. This one, I think, hits that sweet spot. We're talking about 14 years ago. The title of mine is 
Rose Gold Standard. And this is the story of the 2006 BCS National Championship game. I think we all know the teams. It's Texas and USC. It's Vince Young, Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush. Two amazing teams, two storied programs. It's probably the last amazing game that those two teams have played in. And I just, I remember vividly Vince Young scoring there, but I want so much more. I want their reactions now, especially because a lot of their NFL careers kind of fizzled out. You know, Matt Leiner had a long career as a backup. Reggie Bush was okay, but especially now that he could potentially get his Heisman back, I want to see this story and I want to see all their perspectives 14 years later. Yeah, I, my only issue with that is they kind of did that. I know they didn't specifically focus on just that game, but they did the Trojan War, which is the Pete Carroll Trojans, and they specifically talked about Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush and all of that. So I'm not sure if they could go back and do that. But, you know, I do think we all agree that that was the greatest championship game of all time. We'll never forget that moment. We'll never forget the, that game. I mean, that was, I mean, it's one of the best football games of all time, let alone college football games of all time. So. I mean, sure, it may warrant another special. Who knows? Yeah, 32 points were scored in the fourth quarter there uh, combined. So I just think, you know, I understand, like you said, USC is such a storied program. You know, you could go over not just Pete Carroll's era, but a lot of eras. They put a lot of players in the NFL over the last couple decades. But I think this game specifically, we saw four players go in the top 10 in that following draft. And I would love to see this game. I mean, I'm an Alabama fan, but I remember this national championship more vividly than any of the ones that Alabama has been involved in. No, I agree. And I think that that would be a really interesting series if you could do it the right way. Where, Like you said, they were all drafted in the top 10. We've got Bush. We've got Young. We've got Leinhart. We've got guys like that. And to actually see them now, again, here's a guy who had a three-year career. Here's a guy who had a 10-year career or eight-year career, but it never really amounted to much. And kind of seeing what happened to them for their careers after having played in the greatest game of all time. And you think you've got the greatest game of all time between two super powerhouses with four or five first-round draft picks, and not one of them really turned into an NFL star. Yeah, Vince Young really wanted to go to the Houston Texans and be the face there, and instead ended up going and playing for the Tennessee Titans and kind of forgotten there. God, what's his first name? Coach Fisher. I can't remember his first name. Save my Jeff Fisher. God, just ruined fucking Vince Young, man. He was the worst, worst coach he could have ever had for him. So he tried to make him into a system pocket quarterback, and man, that just didn't work. But yeah, I mean, overall, I think I think it might be solid. For my next, my last one now, my officially my last one. You know, I'm honestly stuck between a couple here. You know what? I'm just going to say the kid. And I want to do Griffey Jr.'s impact on baseball. I think there needs to be a special on it. Uh, I think there should. He was, he was arguably the most influential baseball player of our generation. The guys who are 30, you know, through the 90s. I mean, we just had the documentary on Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. And, and yet, I think Ken Griffey Jr. was far and away most everybody's favorite player out of that generation and things like that. I'd like to see him and... and you know, see a documentary on his story and, and just kind of, you know, his injury history. And, and I mentioned with Brandon is his injury history is why I think he's one of the players that you can't link to steroids. And I think that would be a, just a really cool documentary and a cool thing to see. I agree. I love Ken Griffey Jr. I think that going back to the Last Dance documentary, we actually saw a little piece where, you know, Michael Jordan was up close with Ken Griffey and wanted to get his autograph. So to see the stardom that Griffey had, is just amazing. 
He was electric, and he was, like you said, everybody's favorite player. To this day, I think if you ask anybody who played baseball, you know, we played home run derby, and we all pretended to be different players. They say, what was your favorite batting stance to pretend? Nine out of ten guys are picking Griffey with that elbow up and just the wiggle in the bat a little bit at the top, and he just had that beautiful swing. Yeah, we had somebody on FBAS, I think it was FBAS, put, you know, what swing did you imitate as a kid or whose batting stance did you imitate as a kid? And and you had mentioned Ken Griffey Jr. And I think we all did that. You pretty much standing straight up, elbow up, you know, that little bat tilt and then just that smooth swing, man. And none of us could do it as smooth as him, obviously. But I mean, when you talk about the prettiest swings in baseball... There's no hesitation. Everybody's first answer is Ken Griffey Jr. And I, I mean, it, he was just like you said, his impact on the game was so massive. And it's it's funny because you know kids these days don't know that because he didn't break records or have like the the crazy season and things like that. All he did was just play great baseball for a long time. To me, he could be the logo for MLB the way that Jordan is the logo for the NBA. You know, not I, a, I would not love a, not, that. A, not officially, but he is that guy. Because Griffey does have the logo that's of his swing. He does, swing. that Griffey Swoosh logo, yeah. I'm all for changing the MLB logo to that logo. Wow, that would be sick as fuck. Good idea, Jesse. Let's peti- let's start a petition now. Rob Manfred's on his heels right now. He'll do just about anything. <laughs> let's fucking get a tweet petition going and let Ken Griffey Jr., let's change this bum-ass logo. We just got to add Adam Silver. Exactly. <laughs> all right, what's your last one, Wayne? So my last one is called Backup Plan. And it's all about Jimmy Garoppolo, and it just kind of follows him through going to a small college at Northern Illinois and then getting drafted in the second round, having Belichick answer those questions like, why do you draft a quarterback in the second round? And Belichick says, we all know Tom's age and salary and and then that whole thing about you know, Brady versus Garoppolo. And then Brady gets suspended for those first four games and Garoppolo looks like an absolute stud before he hurts his thumb or whatever it is. And then, you know, gets the trade right up to the trade with Robert Kraft where Belichick wants to move on, wants Garoppolo to be the backup plan, to be the next Brady. And Kraft won't let him. So I think it would just be captivating to go from college through the draft, through the 49ers and making it to the Super Bowl in his first full season as a starter backup plan. As a Patriots fan, I absolutely need to see that. But I need to see it a few years from now when Tom Brady is retired and Jimmy Garoppolo is no longer playing in the league. I think he's starting to fizzle out there in the NFC now. But uh, I think it's going to be such a captivating story as long as we get all the behind-the-scene details that we absolutely crave. Yeah, when we were doing this, I I knew you were going to do this one, way, and I was waiting for it. As you've said in every episode now that you want to see what Bill Belichick said behind the scenes about Tom Brady about Jimmy Garoppolo over Tom Brady and how he wanted Tom Brady out and was forced to keep him. And I agree. I think that's the that, that shit would be insane. Now, I don't think we'd ever get that. That's one documentary. I, I think that's going to be a wish and we'll never, ever see. But, I mean, I think the story would be absolutely riveting, obviously. And I don't know if we would never see it because I do think that even Brady coming out going to Tampa, still playing, everybody's still involved. And for him to say, you know, like Belichick needs to do what's best for his team. Like he needed to look at a succession plan. You know, I know my age. I'm in uncharted waters. I have no ill will and I don't blame him whatsoever for trying to do what's best for the team long term, which was moving on from me. So Brady kind of coming out and accepting it, I think, is going to help open up doors for everyone to talk about it down the road. Yeah, I just don't think Bill will. I don't think Bill's ever going to be the guy who's ever going to talk about anything that went on ever. And and I think, I mean, if I, I, I'm kind of surprised you do. Like, you guys know Bill more than anybody, and you really think even after all this is done 
and he's out of the limelight every fucking day, you think he's going to seek that out and do an interview and things like that? I, I just don't see any way, man. I don't think he's going to seek it out, but we saw the two bills. And in the two bills, he definitely talks about his deterioration in the relationship with Parcells when Parcells kind of blocked him from going to the Patriots. And they talk about him kind of having a rough relationship with so-and-so and Kraft saying, like, I thought about bringing Bill in as the head coach right after Parcells, but it wasn't the right time. So we went with Pete Carroll. So Bill is willing to sit down and talk to ESPN, especially ESPN, if NFL Films is involved because he loves NFL Films. So get everybody involved. And I think that Again, five years after everybody's out of the game, I think he would be willing to talk about it. I just don't know if I ever see that from Bill. I mean, obviously, you guys know him better than I do. So, you know, maybe he does. But, man, I just don't know if I see that. That is a wrap. That is the full episode. We had Brandon on. We had a great conversation with him about the NFC North, and he was wrong about everything. But, you know, that's why we like to have him on. So we all feel smarter, or at least these two feel smarter, because they're on with me all the time, so they must feel like real idiots. But... The uh, So I was glad to have him on, and uh, thank you all for listening. Definitely, like I mentioned before, Instagram, at Infinity Sports Podcast, Facebook, at Infinity Sports Podcast, Twitter, at Sports Infinity 5. We just did the Infinity 5. You can't forget it. You just heard it. So visit us, comment, like, follow, subscribe on the podcast, and listen to us every Thursday at 11 a.m. on the RTF Sports Network. All right, guys, thanks for being here. You know, we really appreciate you being on like every week. You know, we, we really appreciate all the fans and everybody that comes on and gives us a listen. Infinity Sports, make sure you check us out on all the platforms. We're always there. Thursdays at 11 a.m., get on there. Get live. Leave some comments. You know, we want some of that criticism. We want to get out here and, and, and be better and, and, and bring a better product to you guys. So just make sure you're giving us a listen on all the platforms. Follow us on all the social media links and have a great day. I think that this is the best Infinity 5 that we've had so far, and I'm very excited to get towards uh, sports. We are closer to sports, but thank you, everybody, that continues to listen and support. And uh, I got somebody at my door. Oh, Jesus, guys, it's Kenny. It's over!